0: Hello there and thanks for joining me on the podcast. Dr. Martin Luther King. That's my topic. Now, today is Dr. Martin Luther King Day. The holiday... Uh, recognized by the government and many companies and organizations, have a day off in honor of this gentleman, Martin Luther King. Now he's a very important and a special man to me, and uh, I uh, admire him. I consider him to be one of the great heroes to whom I look up to, and others as well. And certainly, great heroes of our country. And um, he comes from a background that is certainly admirable, a background that is. Worthy to know and worthy to emulate and to follow. I'm going to do that a little bit today in this podcast. Now, I had the privilege several years ago of traveling to Atlanta. And in that trip, I um, visited the childhood home of Martin Luther King. Two siblings, brother, sister, and his parents. His father was known as Papa King in the neighborhood and in the community. Very well-respected, regarded gentleman. Home would be considered modest in that particular day. Home was located, as you look out the front door on the left, you'd see where the sharecroppers lived, the types of homes and rooms that they had. And on the right, as you look down the street that way, would be the wealthy, the aristocrats, if you will. You walk down the street to the right, you'd go to the little grocery store that he frequently visited and bought little candies and his parents bought food. If you go to the left, you go down a block and you look into the fire department station, the fire station, played in the fire trucks as a little kid. And if you go one block further, we go to the Ebenezer Baptist Church, a little modest church for its day and held probably a couple hundred people and um, would be considered a fairly traditional looking church. Now, being there, I said to myself, it's important that I go to the pulpit. I want to stand in the pulpit of Daddy King. And then the pulpit in which Martin Luther King also preached, and others in that family. So I proceeded to do so. I jumped over a little barrier, I walked up to the platform, and stood behind the pulpit. It was an important event for me, just to get a sense of a feel for what it was like in that day, and what it would be like to listen to a man of the character of Martin Luther King and his father. I didn't stay very long, just enough to get a little glimpse of what it's like to stand behind the pulpit of a great man, and just reflect on the greatness of the man, the character, the message, and the faith of that family. Now, here's the story that I really like and I told on other occasions, and uh, it's an important one for the American family. It's an important one for all of us. Martin Luther was a uh, young boy. He had a brother and a sister. They went to the local school, and uh, probably not be considered a school you'd be proud of, particularly in terms of features and structure and style and up-to-date, curriculum, etc., but that's where they went to school. They came home after school, you know, usually around three o'clock, and the routine was to change their clothes from their school clothes to their play clothes, and they then proceeded to have playtime, two to three hours. Martin played in his room, his sister played in her room, and the brother played in his, and they then proceeded to go outside, and they played with the neighbors, some of which were wealthy families and some from sharecropper families. His experience was both. But anyway, they had this playtime after school in their play clothes. But they were given an assignment by the father, by Papa King. During that playtime, they were to get the evening paper, newspaper. It always came in the evening, by the way, in those days. And um, they were to look through the paper and find an article that drew their attention, read it, and then write up a little summary of that article and tuck it away and bring it to dinner. So when dinner time came, shortly after five, the children were then instructed to change their clothing from their play clothes to their Sunday clothes, to their good clothes, because it was dinner time. And dinner was always in the dining room and always with china, always with fine china. So they all came together for having dinner as a family. And there were often times when other people visited and joined in for the dinner time. But Papa King was very much in charge of that family, very much in charge of family life. He prayed before the meals, prayed in his deep voice, southern accent, he prayed in a manner that would impact you as a listener to his prayer, and certainly Martin Luther was impacted by the prayers of his father. As dinner proceeded, it came to a point where Papa King would then clean his plate, push back on his chair, and turn the next hour over to the kids. Now, this was their opportunity to tell the family the article they read, what the storyline was, what it meant to them, and the implications. And they were to give that little summary, five minutes, ten minutes perhaps, and um, the family would listen. And then Papa King would start his process of asking questions. He would ask questions. He would ask them to reflect. He would ask them to consider implications of what, what that particular story was about. And he questioned the kids to make sure that they not only knew the story, but he had given thought to what that story meant. Martin would have his turn. His sister would have her turn. His brother would have his turn. And they would go around the table, each having their turn to summarize their article and to engage in an interrogation by Papa King. And Mother King, too, by the way. And that's where family discussion took place. Now, this is an important story, because I believe that that's where Martin Luther learned his scholarship, learned to be a scholar, learned to be a student, Of history. Learn to be a student of socialization. Learn to be a student of justice. Learn to be a student of theology. Learn to be a student of life. Because he read, he had to articulate what he read, he had to defend what he read and his thoughts about it and beliefs about it, and he had to learn how to respond to argumentation and debate. Something that our kids probably don't have at all. Rarely would our kids be exposed to that kind of upbringing. But that was the issue for Martin Luther King. This is how he grew up. This is how he sharpened his wit. This is how he sharpened his mind. This is how he sharpened his tongue. This is how he sharpened his thinking. This is how he sharpened his philosophy. This is how he sharpened his faith. This is how he sharpened his way of life and his commitments and what he stood for. And we know the story. He stood for a very, very important issue of social justice, peaceful social justice needs to be emphasized. It was a peaceful approach, not one of uprising and uh, antagonism and violence or aggression or anything of that nature. He wanted it to be accomplished peacefully, and that's his message to the world today. That's how he came to be the man he was. It didn't just happen. He wasn't just born with this ability to communicate. It was learned at the dining room table of his parents, of his family. And as he interacted with his siblings, interacted with his parents, interacted with the extended family, and interacted with friends of the family, he became a man with a sharp mind, a sharp tongue, a sharp wit, a sharp message, and then to convey that to the world. And he had his opportunity, his opportunity in the late 1960s, when he stood before throngs of people in Washington and gave that famous speech, I Have a Dream. But the interesting part was that he had written a speech. For that occasion, all these people were going to be standing at the monument and standing in that mall area around the White House, and um, he had his speech prepared. And it came time for him to give his speech. He was, I think, the last speaker on the list. It came time for him to give the speech, and he penned a second speech on a little piece of paper. In other words, he modified his primary speech, his m- his main speech, and he modified it. And we know it today as "I Have a Dream," and that's the speech that he created. While he was standing there waiting for his turn to speak and listening and watching the people of that day and the fervor that they had for social justice and for the development of the rights and the privileges and the opportunities for the black people but his w- word was not only for the black people it was for all people it was for all people it was for all people irregardless of color although the primary event was there to advance status the opportunities of the black people, but he had a dream, and it went for everybody, all people, all races, all colors, all creeds, and that speech was spontaneous, and I think that's why he gave it with such vigor, because he came to believe it. He came to emotionally accept it as he stood there waiting for his turn to speak, and then proceeded to deliver it as he did. Good for him. Good for us. We need to listen to it. We need to read it. We need to understand it. We need to Go back to it periodically. We need to focus our attention on it because it's a message for today as well, not a message for that day. It was a message for life. It's a message for forever. It's a message for us today and for the future. So may you, as you celebrate Martin Luther King Day today and for the coming year, reflect on this little story and reflect on the fact that he became the man that his papa taught him to be. Come, papa gave him the directions of how to go from a boy to a man, and he did that in the home in which he was raised, Atlanta. Nice to have you with me, and uh, thanks for joining. This is an important topic, and I wish you well, and have a good day, Martin Luther King Day. Bye for now.